for your word that brings life, Father. We thank you for your presence right now. We thank you for the word we're about to receive. Lord, we pray that you open our hearts to receive the truth that you speak, the life that you bring. We pray that we receive it in our spirit, Father, and that it be engraved in our hearts. We pray that it brings transformation and change. We pray that it brings renewing of our minds. And we thank you. Thank you, Father. We love you. We worship you in spirit and in truth. We give you all the honor, all the glory, and all the praise. In Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, we can all sit down. Thank you. Yeah, it's all right. Thank you. How are we all today? We're good? Amen. Who's ready for today? We're good? Okay. Uh, can I just have the photo of the title, if you don't mind? Big U A J. Okay, interesting one. <coughs> so, who's interested in this topic? Oh yeah, it's good. How do you feel about that? <laughs> How do you feel about God testing you? In the beginning of my journey, I, I didn't want to think about God testing me. All I wanted to focus on is to be healed or restored uh, from the Lord. And that is true. That in the beginning, one should focus on uh, being healed and restored from the Lord. And it's true. <coughs> it's very important that we understand here uh, the difference between uh, God testing you and the difference between temptation. They are two different things. Temptation comes from your own desires that wage war against you. Testing comes from God for one reason. And when you understand this, you will thank God that He tests you. 
it's very important that we accept because the majority of believers here, they're believers. And many people have tasted the love of God here, right? And remember what I said at the beginning of this year, the dream that God showed me? There were converts that just come to Christ and they were unable to, do, to discern who the Antichrist was because of the level of teaching that was coming. They couldn't get transformed in the way that God wanted them to get transformed. And when I came into that room, I exposed the Antichrist. Now, I, I share something with you. I really believe that the, the level of truth that you go after would give you the wisdom to expose who the Antichrist is when he comes in your heart or your mind or when he surfaces from the outside. There's many Antichrists, Paul said. There are many even at this time that he preaches. And then he took me to the body of Christ, the church. And he said that if you don't, if you don't teach them discipline, they also, what was left of them, will die. So I'm very firm in how I teach, especially this year receiving it from the Lord. Very firm in how I uh, deal with people. All for the sake of love, but to uh, plant truth. Now, something that I'd like to share about myself. I mean, in the beginning, I didn't feel such a responsibility to protect people's hearts or to prepare their hearts for more of Christ or for the level of truth inside of them. And I never felt that conviction till probably two years now. I have such a conviction in my heart that I have a responsibility to allow you to understand the process and the procedure in, in how you can walk with Christ and how to prepare your hearts. Amen? I feel such a big responsibility now. And the Holy Spirit speaks with me. And he shares with me about how to understand this. Now, it's interesting here, the way that I'm going to go. There's many ways, actually. But I let the Holy Spirit guide. Now, it's a... It's a... It's a it's a good question to ask yourself. Are you passing God's test? And the three boxes that I put there, it's pretty, um, it's pretty good to think about which one are you going to tick. If you were to tick them, you don't have to say it out loud. If, if you were to tick them, which one would you tick? I think everyone on the safe side will go for the bottom one. <laughs> Can I say it like this? Everyone on the safe side, would they go for the bottom one? And you know the sad thing is God wants us to be confident in who he is and who we are. Why can't we go for the top one? Not to be prideful, but it's just interesting how we can always glory in the flesh to accept any form of defeat or any form of setback or any form of delay. It's easy to choose them rather than know who we are in Christ. We are God's creation, amen? Created perfect. Meaning we should know who our master is. We should know who our father is. 
We should know who our Lord is. We should know who Jesus is in our lives. And it comes down to many things. But I... <coughs> Paul talks about examining yourself to see if you've passed the test or if you have failed it. Isn't that interesting? So you're going to see all these scriptures about testing today and you think, well, where they've been the whole time. But when the Holy Spirit shines a light on it, it's to lift the standard of truth in you and lift the level of how you walk with Christ. Now, Holy Spirit spoke for all the people that weren't here. I don't normally do this, but the Holy Spirit spoke while we're worshipping. Not to judge your journey, not to judge your spiritual journey based on what you feel. Meaning in the beginning of your journey, you can feel defeated, you can feel you're going through a crushing, you can feel like you're going through the refining fire, you can feel like you're going through purging and undoing. And it's wise that you don't judge your spiritual status based upon what you feel or your emotions. Because that will limit the Holy Spirit from overruling the feelings or the emotions so you can mature. Because let's say one is di being dictated by his emotions or his feelings, he would think that's his destiny. I have to accept defeat because that's what I feel. I feel broken, I have to accept brokenness because that's what I can see. So it's very important here, especially in the beginning of your journey with Christ, that you don't base your journey based upon your emotions or your feelings, or you don't judge your journey based on what you feel. It's very important that when the Holy Spirit begins to work inside of your heart, that you don't judge the status of your journey, your spiritual journey, based on what you feel. So many people that judge their journey based on what they feel, they make decisions from what they see, they accept defeat, they accept delays and limitations and restrictions and challenges and they live with them. But when you base your journey on the word of God, not your emotional status, what God says will come to pass. Because a lot of people that base their journey on what they feel, they, their, their prayer life begins to decrease. Their attitude towards Christ begins to falter. Their the word of God in their life begins to uh, dry up in their life because they've built a mindset from those emotions where it's too hard, it's too challenging. I can't really be the person Christ wants me to be. Does that make sense, everyone? <coughs> so it's very important in the beginning of your journey that you don't base your spiritual status based upon what you feel. You can feel defeated, but spiritually you're growing. You can feel defeated, but spiritually you're gaining momentum. The dangerous part is when someone begins to judge their journey based upon what they feel. They get stuck. They get trapped. They get confused. It's very important that you do not judge your spiritual status based on what you feel. One can feel defeated, but continuously move forward. Does that make sense, everyone? It's very important, or it's a healthy journey to understand this, that one can feel defeated, 
yet continuously soar and move forward. One can feel insufficient, but still he's moving forward. And that was me in my journey in the beginning. Something that changed my life is I based, I based my journey on what, I, what God says, full stop. No buts, no ifs. I felt the senses of death, whatever you want to say, I felt it all. But what God says, it will come to pass. So naturally, God's word is the emotion that you build yourself on. Very important for you to understand. Now, like I said in the beginning, the beginning of my journey, I didn't want to hear about testing God's tests. All I wanted to focus on is healing, restoration, deliverance, uh, being stabilized. But for the people here, yes, you're ready to hear. Because many people have known Christ for a while here, right? Yes. Okay, let's go to Proverbs 17.3. We'll start there. We'll see where we go. We'll see what happens after that. Okay, so this is Proverbs 17.3. The refining pot is for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord tests the hearts. And it's true. Now can I share something with you? I'll share something with you. Who do you want to promote you? God, right? The one who called you. Who called you? God our Father. Jesus said, no, come to me unless the Father draws them to me. God the Father called you, drawed his Son, gave us the Holy Spirit. Can I share something with you? The only person that I want to promote me is the Holy Spirit you would always be safe when the Holy Spirit promotes you and can I tell you something I don't normally do this but I just want to share with you how the Holy Spirit actually operates you know the greatest way God promoted me you know the greatest way God promoted me now in this place that I am now you know how I share with you. Can you stand up, please? Yeah, come, please. This is not planned. I'll share something with you. And don't look at me when she shares this, because it's not about me. Yeah. How do you turn this thing on? Oh, okay, I, got it. Yeah. I, got it. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, Chris said he's going to get me a tablet, a tablet of stones to do my study on. Pull in my leg because I, I still write everything. I don't have a computer. <laughs> Pull in my leg, a tablet of stone. Nice one, Chris. It was Chris, yeah, Chris said that. Yeah, Chris said that. So I want to share something with you. This is not for me to boast in myself, but I want to show you my approval comes from God doesn't come from man and I don't need it from man because I let God do the work inside of my heart but I want to share with you I want to share with you how God promotes people and I just want I want you to share the dream that you had about when you did pray okay. you share how it is okay. and, uh, that's it. 
Hello everyone. Okay. So tell your name. I'm Christine. I've been coming here since I think November 2021. Yeah. Um, so in the beginning of my journey, I was very confused, lost. Is this the direction I need to go? Come in here, as into this church. And um, I, prior to coming here, I prayed and I said, God, show me where I need to be. Tell me where I need to go. And um, because I was so lost, you know, still in that religious way and like, you know, family conflict and whatnot. And um, I prayed and I fell asleep and I dreamt this church. And um, Rubs and his wife, Rita, were standing in the front here and they were telling me to come, just, just by themselves, telling to come. I walked over and um, God said, go to my son. You want to preach more? <laughs> I'll share something with you, and it hasn't changed to this day. And I'm, I didn't do this for me to boast in myself or the ministry, but I let God promote me, not a man. The moment four years ago, a man come to me and he said, I'll pay this amount for you to reach 15,000 people a week. I said, well, that would be amazing if you can do that. That's what I said in my own mouth. I said, that would be amazing if you can do that for me. I went home and I prayed with the Lord, not even thinking about what the man said. It's 165 a week he had to pay for me to reach 15,000 people. And I'm praying, I'm worshiping the Lord. I say, thanks for everything, Lord. You're good. And the Holy Spirit said, I want to tell you something. And I said, tell me, Holy Spirit. He goes, if you try to promote yourself, I won't promote you. And I stopped. I don't need promotion anymore. What I'm after is that truth. Not to be used, but to be transformed. Like I said, when I first started my journey, I want to do so much for Christ, to now I want to become like Christ. There's no spotlight there. It's just the spotlight in your own heart. And I shared this with you so you can operate in the same way. Let God promote you. Let God promote you. You know, you know what's interesting? I always think about these things. My mind goes there. But it's good for my mind to go there. Everyone talks about Paul, the great apostle. No one talks about Ananias, the one that moved the scales from his eyes. <laughs> Everyone talks about Paul, the great apostle. No one talks about Ananias that was mentioned just once. But Ananias, or I should say it like this, Paul became Paul because of Ananias. Be humble. Be humble. Paul became Paul because of Ananias. One verse. But Jesus said to Ananias, go to straight street. His life was straight with Christ. Straight. His vision was straight. That's how God promotes someone. That's how God promotes Ananias. He can send someone to move the scales who became the greatest man.
I'll just share with you to be humble. Yeah, I know he didn't want to go, but I didn't say that part. <laughs> but I'll just show you how God promotes someone. Thirteen epistles to one scripture. But no one remembers Ananias. They remember Paul. But Paul wouldn't become Paul without Ananias. Let God promote you. Let God promote you. In saying that, that is the biggest test. Because our flesh wants the fame, wants the status, wants to be someone. Right? Yeah? And I don't want that. I'm not looking for that. And in the beginning, God really put his hand deep inside for me not to become that person. Well, see? Well, that is well. That is well. <laughs> and I share with you, that's how God promoted me by sending people to me because he knows what he done in me. I didn't do it. He done it, but I let him. I let him. I focused on what he loves the most. What is it? My temple. And I share with you to operate in the same way. I share something with you. Um, in three weeks, right? In three weeks. In three weeks, I'm, uh, I'm going to Brazil. Uh, myself, Pastor Tony, Pastor Dorian, we are going to Brazil in three weeks on the fourth, right? Oh, I better not look at my wife. I'm going to Brazil, um, us, us three, and whoever wants to um, uh, put towards um, that work, we're going to Brazil to do whatever God tells us to do and to help whoever we can help. So whoever wants to put towards that, just um, no pressure, you put for the love of Christ um, and just put Brazil in that account if you are. But I want to say something different. Now, uh, Pastor Celia had a man, Pastor Celia had a man who he, he begot in the gospel. He begot him. And not many times this will come to me. Paul said, I begot this man in the gospel, meaning he birthed him from nothing. He didn't know Christ whatsoever and he, he birthed him in Christ. And Pastor Celia had done this for another man where he begot him in the gospel he, he made him to be someone for Christ. Now, it was probably seven weeks ago. Seven weeks ago, um, a man added me on Facebook. And I thought, well, that's one of, um, one of the pastors who's under Pastor Cilio. So I, added, I accepted him as a friend. And the Holy Spirit spoke with me. He said, I let, you, I let him add you so you can give him the message. And I said, Holy Spirit, tell me. And he goes, I want you to warn him about his heart. How he's become pr proud and he's walking alone. And he thinks he doesn't need anyone anymore. And uh, I messaged him. <laughs> dirty work. Every time I do a dirty work. <laughs> I messaged him. And um, he just wrote a book and published it. And this famous preacher in Brazil came and signed it and said, well, you're doing amazing work. And the Holy Spirit de-promoted him. 
but in the sake of the whole world, he was on a level and a platform that everyone thinks he's promoted. <laughs> I said to the man, I said to him, you've lost the love of God. And I called Sergio two days ago and I said, the Lord told me to give this man a rebuke. And he started laughing like a funny laugh. And he said, this man said, I'm not walking with you anymore. From months ago. He left the ministry. He's alone. He's published books now. He's getting invited all over Brazil. He promoted himself. The Holy Spirit de-promoted him. And I say this because your flesh in the beginning wants fame, wants status for the sake of Christ. It wants to be used by God, wants status. It wants to uh, shine by its flesh. <coughs> the, the true shining is how he shines here first. But I just share with you what the Holy Spirit said. And everyone's coming to sign his book. He wrote an amazing book. I'm just telling you what I saw. He wrote an amazing book and he got a signature from the biggest preacher in Brazil and the Holy Spirit de-promoted him. And that speaks so much for me that if you can walk and remain with the group that you started, it speaks volume to me. You know why? Because it says you have a teachable heart. Not to control, not to force people to come here. No. It means you have a teachable heart to trust God that he's going to work on my heart. And that man, he's alone now. Isn't that dangerous? What pride and what the flesh can do. When you get a taste of the gifts, when you get a taste of the power, when you get a taste of being someone for Christ. He's alone now. I'll just share that with you. because there are many people here that have a great potential but it's only in the humility of Christ you have potential and that is the truth <laughs> only in the humility of Christ you have potential and isn't it interesting that everyone's coming and they're writing books the Holy Spirit's de-promoting him while the world is promoting him let God promote you let God promote you I just thought I'd share that with you. And, he, and the book... Oh no, I won't, I won't go there. I won't go there. I protect the man. Alright. So, let's go. Let's go to Psalms 60. Uh, oh, hang on a second, we'll stop there. We go to the word testing. What does it mean from the New Testament? I heard a saying when I first got saved. I didn't understand it. And the saying went like this, before God can use you deeply, he must test you deeply. 
and it is true. And one of the greatest tests in how he tests you deeply is by making you, starts with a W. What's that? Well, who said wait? Yeah, it's right, it's right. So one of the greatest tests is God makes you wait. But, but not forever. <laughs> so let's, let's have a look at this first, this word. So whoever's following, it's from the Strong's 1383. And the word is dokimion. Where's the Tammy? It's good, Tammy? <laughs> Testing. Yeah, how do you say it? You just, just know? You've probably never heard that word, yeah? Or so, doc, dokimion. Dokimion. <laughs> okay, so the word testing in how God tests us is the word is dokimion. Okay? The first translation of why God tests you, it's beautiful. You know what it means? To be deemed as trustworthy. Probably the best analogy or the best definition of that word. That's, that's the statement. To be deemed as trustworthy. And isn't it interesting how he deems you as trustworthy is making you wait. We've become such a selfish people. If we don't get what we want, we tell God we don't need him anymore. Not true. That's how our flesh is in the beginning. I won't say now. Some people, some people say, if I, don't get what I w- if I don't get what I want from you, God, I'm not going to serve you. Some people say, as an open attack, because you didn't give me what I want, I'm going to rebel against you. I'm just telling you what the flesh does. Because I didn't get what I want, I'm going to stop reading, I'm going to stop praying. I'm going to stop focusing on my true desire for you. That's how the hidden rebellious nature works. But God sees you as trustworthy by making you wait. But a lot of people make the biggest mistake. While they wait, they do nothing with their heart. While they wait, they wait complaining and murmuring. They wait frustrated and burnt out and weary and the list goes on. But I don't want to go there. so the word testing means to be deemed trustworthy (coughs) to experience a trial or the proving of your faith a person that is tried by God So the word testing means to be deemed trustworthy. One of the greatest tests and the most important test is to make you wait. And I've seen so many people where the flesh is is undergoing a process. Um, They're waiting for results and blessings and confirmations from God. They wait declining. They don't wait with their face forward, seeking His presence. Seeking to change their heart. 
seeking to be transformed and many people uh, stay guess what expecting to receive nothing from the Lord that's the context of the scripture so we go to James chapter 1 So I haven't started my message yet. <laughs> I actually haven't. James chapter 1. Can I share something? Okay, so isn't it interesting here? In this context of scripture, he's talking about a trial. He's talking about a test. He's talking about temptations and tests. But look at the first title. Look at the first title of how God wants us to encounter a test. He gives it away. The first scripture. He gives it away of how he wants you, the attitude of your heart to enter a test. He wants you to have an attitude of the heart regarding a bond servant. Isn't that interesting? We'll go, we'll go, we'll jump, we'll jump today. Go to Romans 1 1 quickly. I want to share something with you. Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God. Before called to be an apostle, before he was separated for the gospel, he became what? A bondservant. How many people want to learn of what God is interested with? It's this. Before you want to do great things for the Lord, let me tell you something. God wants you to inherit a heart of a bondservant. Next scripture, Jude chapter 1 verse 1. It says, Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called sanctified by God the Father, and preserved in Jesus Christ. What gave him the right to be preserved and to be sanctified? He had a heart of a bondservant. Next one. Second Peter chapter 1 verse 1. Simon Peter. Now you begin to see, wow, it's everywhere. No, you, you just didn't see it. Isn't it interesting? Before great things were written, before God done major works through them, before they were called to apostleship, they became a bondservant. <laughs> Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ. Was it apostle first or was it a bondservant first? He became a bondservant. He became nothing. 
so he could become something great. I'm going to tell you what the meaning of a bond servant is. Just give me time, please. So Simon Peter, a bond servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a precious faith like with us by the righteousness of God and Savior. He's talking about precious faith and he gives it away. It's in the bond servant. So the word, the word bondservant, the word bondservant for whoever is following, the word is doulos. The word is doulos. It's from the Strong's 1401, whoever is following. Yes? The, the meaning of a bondservant is one who gives himself up to another will. Right there, Selfishness is crushed. That speaks in volume and it probably sums up the whole thing. A bond servant is the word doulos. The word doulos means one who gives himself up to another's will. Those whose service is used by Christ in extending and advancing his cause among men. So a heart of a bondservant is to extend and advance the gospel of Christ to wherever God sends them. Is that your heart? <laughs> One would say no. One would say I'm still focusing on myself. But isn't it interesting that when you focus on God, God focuses on you. You see how it's different? While you focus on yourself, you remain the same. But when you focus on God, God turns his attention to you. That is a bondservant. And that's how God sees that your test is genuine. I'm talking about testing here. And I'm talking about the greatest test in the, in the context of the scripture from James chapter 1 verse 1. He began with a title that gives you the inheritance to pass the test. To pass the test. So the word bondservant means one who is subservient to and entirely, entirely at the disposal of his master. And isn't it interesting? When Jesus said, follow me. Wait, I just bought a ground. I have to attend to it. I just got married. Wait, please. Please. We always have excuses when it comes to the gospel. <laughs> and God, yes, he still loves you if you want to hear that. But he can't use you. And it's just interesting. Before they became apostles, before they were called to the gospel, they all became one thing they were able to be entirely at the disposal of their master. Is everyone awake here? Okay. Because we are learning about God's will here. And the test is that we are at the master's disposal. Okay. 
Let's go a bit deeper regarding a bond servant. The Hebrew word for bond servant is Ebed. Ebed. And the Strong's um, for that is Hebrew 5650. And the greatest. The greatest bondservant from the Old Testament was one who volunteered. Meaning, um, I'll read the scripture out. We go to Exodus chapter 21. Exodus 21 verse 1 to 6. It's very powerful because what are we called now? We are called bondservants of Christ in the Old Testament what is a bond servant slave and there was slavery in the old and there was slavery in the new but it's a bit different now we are slaves to Christ I know it's a it's a it's a harsh word but it but it's meaning something God wants us to understand something he doesn't want you to be a zombie or a robot he wants you to be something deeper than this and I'm going to show you the scriptures scriptures here now let's read it here. <clears throat> I don't want to go too much in this, but I just want to give a little treasure away. So this is from Exodus. It says, Now these are the ordinances, the laws which you shall set before the Israelites. If you purchase a Hebrew servant because of his debt or poverty, he shall serve six years, and in the seventh year, he shall live as a free man. So this is, if you want to look at it in the New Testament, this is talking about Christ. On the seventh day, we rest in God. Okay? This is talking about who we are in Christ now. If I can put it like that for you. And in the seventh year, he shall live as a free man, paying nothing. Now he's, this is talking about voluntarily being a servant. Meaning, in the gospel, God doesn't want us to be obliged or obligated or forced. He wants us to have a voluntarily heart serving Him. Anything that is forced is the flesh, it's not the spirit. You get that? So here he's talking about the greatest slave or the greatest bondservant is a person who voluntarily from his heart is going after Jesus. Now look what it says here. If he came to you alone, he shall live alone. If he came married, then his wife shall live with him. If his master gives him a wife and shall give birth to the sons or daughters, the wife and her children shall belong to her master, and he shall leave your service alone. But if the servant plainly says, I love my master, being Jesus, now, I love my master, my wife and my children, I will not leave as a free man, then his master shall bring him to God, that is to the judges who act in God's name. Then he shall bring him, uh, up please. Then he shall bring him to the door or doorpost. What happened on the doorpost in the Old Testament? They put blood on the doorpost, symbolic of cross, of the cross of Jesus. Thou shalt bring him to the doorpost, 
and his master shall pierce his ear with an awl, strong needle, and he shall serve him for life. Now how do we serve Jesus for life? My sheep, they hear my voice, they follow me. And it's interesting now that the greatest slave in the sight of Christ is the one who is saved by the Jesus on the cross, but his ear is, is, is pierced to that cross where all he's hearing is his master's voice. That is a bond servant. If I was to put a bond servant in a nutshell, it's a one whose ear is pierced to the cross and all he's hearing is Jesus' voice. That is a bond servant. Not rules and regulations and obligations. It's one who is pierced to the cross and all he's hearing is the voice of Jesus. That is a bond servant. He doesn't hear his own voice anymore, neither Satan's voice. That is the test. That is the test whoever here is seeking that. That is the test. That your ear is posted to the cross because he paid the price for you. You don't belong to yourself anymore. You're debted to the cross. So before they became apostles, before they were separated for the gospel, they became a, a person who's fixated, uh, who sat by Jesus and listened to their master. Every day, they listened to their master. Isn't that a, t a testimony of what we need to do when we get saved? Our ear needs to be peace to the cross where all we're hearing is the master's voice. All we're hearing is the master's voice. So if someone didn't like that outside there, we're going for it. And isn't it interesting that a lot of people look at the blood of the doorpost, but the angel, the, the, the angel of death that flew over doesn't compare to the voice of your master. You will never die when you're hearing the voice of your master being Jesus. You will never die, neither would he have any influence over you. Let's go quickly to Ephesians 6, verse 5 to 9. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 5 to 9. Are you a bondservant in your workplace? How many people have jobs here? So before God tests you with the spiritual things, He can only see it in the physical. Right? So you, do you have an attitude of a bondservant in your workplace? You begin The greatest way God can test your spiritual status, you don't have one yet. So he has to see it in the natural. Right? <laughs> now, like I said, slavery in the Old and the New Testament was a bit different. But we are, when we go to work, who we are debted to? Who we are debted to at work? Our boss. Exactly. So if your boss is here, there's a message for you. And if you're a... Yeah, DJ? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 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 
So if you're a boss, there's a message for you, including myself, I'm a boss. And if you're a worker here, there is a message for you. Now, God can't judge your spiritual status because he hasn't given you responsibility yet. But what he can judge you with is your physical status. So someone says, yeah, I want to I wanna do great things for God. You're complaining at work. Uh, I'll let scripture talk. <laughs> Can we go up, please? Okay, let's have a look at this. I just want to put it out there. It says slaves, and like I said, it's different. The old and the new, it's different now. But when we go to work, we are debtor to our boss. And if you can't be responsible with a natural work, how do you think God can give you anything spiritual? Can I say that? There's no fantasy, God's going to use me and everything's going to be good. There's no such fantasy as that. You'll be tested. Your heart will be tested. So let's have a look here. It says, Slaves, be obedient to those who are your earthly masters with respect for authority with a sincere heart seeking to please them as service to Christ. So let me share something with you. When you go to work, God sees your service not for your boss, but to Christ. So all the people that are complaining, i let you deal with it today. Not in the way of eye service, working only when someone is watching you. Tomorrow I'm quoting that scripture to my workers at the job site. <laughs> Whenever you go to work, God is watching you. If you can be responsible with the little things, God will give you a responsibility for spiritual. Now you probably think this is a, this is a um, simple scripture. You think about it. And with a sincere heart seeking to please them. Because you're really pleasing Christ. Working only, um, not in the way of eye service, working only when someone is watching you and only to please men, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Rendering service with, with goodwill as to the Lord and not only to men, knowing that whatever good thing each one does, he will receive back from the Lord whether he is a slave or free. You masters, now for all the bosses here. Oh well, from people under the bus already. <laughs> you masters, do the same, showing goodwill towards them, and give up threatening and abusive words, knowing no one. <laughs> You, ma you, you masters doing, sh doing the same, showing goodwill towards them and give up threatening and abusive words, knowing that he who is both their true master and yours is in heaven. And there is no partiality with him regardless of one's earthly status. So I'll share something with you. God can't judge your spiritual status now. He sees your workplace. He tests you with your ability 
in the natural. So imagine you have a mindset here. I want to do great things for God. I want to have a responsibility for the Lord. And all you do is complain, mock your boss, complain at work. You're doing it all to Christ. You will receive nothing in the terms of your spiritual status with Christ. Are we understanding? You will thank, your boss will thank me later. So what about if your boss isn't godly? It does. So let's say if your boss is not godly, you're doing it for the sake of Christ. Yes, I'm just sharing with you. So you're doing it for the sake of Christ. Because really, really a job was designed by God. For you to work, you're doing it unto Christ. Meaning attitude is everything. Attitude is everything. So listen to this. If you can, if you can complain and uh, backbite or attack your boss behind the scenes or bludge or bludge when he's not looking, you're really doing it to Christ. And believe me, if you're doing these things spiritually, you won't be able to stand because God is looking for genuine people. People that don't want to let anyone down from all their heart. And when, you, when you're able to cheat someone, that's a frailty in your own character. If you're able to cheat your boss with time and bludge and, and complain and take days off, then really you're not reliable. Imagine I take days off preaching. I'm not reliable for Christ. But all my life, since kindergarten to year 10, I take three days off a week. <laughs> no, really, I hated going to school. I hated going to school only Thursday and, and Friday because I count that count for the weekend. <laughs> my sister Rebecca is a witness. I never went to school. And my dad would wake up and go to sleep, it's okay. <laughs> but when I came to Christ, he built responsibility in me. But I hated responsibility when I was young. But anyone who hates responsibility now really can't except to receive any responsibility from the Lord. God is looking for trustworthy people. Imagine God came to Ananias, go to Paul, oh, I'm not feeling well. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying. Oh, can you ask the other guy? Oh, probably the Lord will. He'll probably ask someone else. But do you want to be that people or do you want to receive responsibility from the Lord? Because it's a privilege to be uh, part of God's family and given responsibility from Him. But I'm just sharing you, what you do in the natural, you really do it in the spiritual. So if you're, if, you're, if you're mocking your boss now, unfortunately later you're going to mock your master who is Jesus. I'm just putting it out there. And even Paul goes on beyond that and he says, even if, the, your, even if the people try to lord it over you, God is pleased if you still serve them. Because you can endure any test after that. Isn't that true? 
He says, even if your bosses later are lording over you and they're trying to control over you or they're over-pressuring you and you can stand that test, believe me, you'll stand any test the enemy brings to you. So who here complains, takes days off, not trustworthy, not puts their whole effort in? They just do enough work so they don't lose their job, but they don't overwork because then, then their boss won't give them more responsibility. Same with Christ. So someone says, you know what, I'll just carry little by little. I'll carry little by little. So, my, so my, I don't lose my job, but I won't do too much because then my boss will accept more from me. It's the same for the spiritual. The more that I do for Christ, he gives me a greater joy to handle more. You understand? So who has the mindset here? I'll only work little by little because everyone in this company is cruisy, so I won't work how I normally work. Then I won't lose my job, but then I'll be able to sustain my body. It's the same in the spiritual. If you're not putting all your heart in and effort in whatever you're doing now, you will never do it spiritually. And these are tests. God can't judge your spiritual status now. He judges your physical. I'm just explaining to you. So later when you get pay rises and you're getting promotions, thank the Lord Jesus for that. Because all the people that are complaining about money, complaining about no promotion, it's because of this. Now, I wasn't going there, but I just said I'll put it in there. It's interesting, right? That before Paul raised the dead, handkerchief healing people, and when he was alone, he was making tents. It just goes to show you. Always have a humble heart. Whatever work you do, do it for the sake of Christ. Now a natural job is a natural job. It's not a spiritual job. But it sets you up for a spiritual job. A natural job is... Not, so you go to TAFE, you study. That's not a spiritual blessing. That's a natural blessing. You studied for it. But it sets you up for a spiritual responsibility. Now, we go to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20 to 27. Now, this is interesting for all the young people here, or young people spiritually. We go to verse 20. Uh, not Exodus. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 20 to 27. So that was one area where God judges if you're a bondservant in your natural job. This is another one where bondservant is mentioned. But I'm reading it in the Amplified, so it says servant. But I'm just reading it to you here. Now, this is another issue 
of where Paul warned Timothy not to get entangled in this here. Now I'm going to tell you the meaning of that. Now. <clears throat> it says um, 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 20 to 27. I spent a lot of time in the scripture, remember? Years. So it says now in a large house there are not only vessels and objects of gold and silver, but also vessels and objects of wood and of earthenware. And some are for honourable, noble, good use, and some for dishonourable, ignoble, common. Now he's, he's showing you here the difference between those who are honourable and those who are not honourable or dishonourable. Okay? Pay attention now. Now he's warning Timothy about something where us believers can easily get entangled in, especially in the beginning. And some people, still, they're old, they still do it. It says, therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from these things which are dishonorable, disobedient and sinful, he'll be a vessel for honor, sanctified, set apart for a special purpose and useful to the master, prepared for every good work. Run away. Run away from youthful lust. Now I have a question for you. What context of scripture is he using this word? What is youthful lust in this context of scripture? Anyone? What's that? Yeah, we know it's old nature, but what is he really? Fame. Huh? Fame. Fame? Fame? Anyone else? What's that, sorry? So the question is, what context of scripture is the youthful lust here speaking about? Because here Paul is talking to Timothy, run away from this. Now, Timothy, Paul was getting trained from Timothy to be a great man of God, though all the people here, great men and women of God here, wanting to be something for God. He's telling them here to run away from youthful lust. And let your focus, let your focus be righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those believers who called on the Lord out of a pure heart. Now, he's showing there, he's showing there there's an opponent here regarding youthful lust. Okay, so, I, so anyone want to say, um, David said fame, pride, sexual, disobedience, rebellion, David's a bit closer, love of money, useful lust, puffing yourself up, yeah, yeah stirring the pot. That's good, that's good. You're all along the same page, but I'll tell you what it means. Okay, so let's have a look at it here. So I'll... Young people, so this is the context what he's using it. Whoever wants to do the study on it can. Young people love to be right. Even some older already are. Young people love to have a theory on how God does things. Paul is saying, run away from these people. Focus on purity. Focus on faith, love and peace. 
and those who call the Lord out of a pure heart. So he's saying here, young people love to be right. Love, uh, young people love to have a theory on how God does things. Remember, God's ways are higher than the always. We can only submit to his perfect plan. Young people, the biggest one, young people love to win arguments. Don't choke anyone, please. Don't know. <laughs> it's true, right? This is the context of scripture. He's not talking about sexual here. Because you read the bottom here, and then it gives it away. Young people love to have an opinion and cause speculation. Isn't that interesting? He's saying if your focus is on, if your focus is on faith, that pleases God, because without faith it's impossible to please Him. Loving God from all your heart, the two commandments, and peace wherever you go, then God will see that you're calling Him out of a pure heart. But the people that go after all these things, the questions that I get asked from week to week, I think, where did you pluck this from? You have so much other things to focus on in your personal life. This is just a deterrence. This is just a, just a, a, um, a deflection to take you from what truly God wants to do inside of your heart. So he's saying run away from that. But having nothing to do with foolish and ignorant speculations, useful, useless disputes over unedifying stupid controversies. Since you know they only produce strife and give birth to quarrels. That's the context of the scripture. The servant of the Lord must not participate in quarrels, but must be kind to everyone, even tempered, preserving peace, and he must... Uh, down, please. And he must be skilled in teaching what? What I just said. Faith, love, peace out of a pure heart. He must, but he must be kind to everyone, even tempered, preserving peace, and he must be skilled in teaching, patient and tolerant when wronged. He must correct those who are in opposition with courtesy and gentleness in the hope that God may grant that they will repent and be led to the knowledge of the truth, accurately understanding and welcoming it and that they may come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. Now this is the scripture for a bond servant. I showed you the workplace, and I showed you this place here. And you know, I'm, I've met so many people where they listen to my preaching, and they're finding ways to actually trap me. What a sad person that is. They're finding in a way to say, if I didn't say this sentence right, he may be leading people astray. What sad people that is. And they run anyways when I see them. But what sad people that is. To have a heart like that, you will never receive anything from the Holy Spirit. Such a person is, has a suspicious mind and fear that he may be deceived himself, which they actually are deceived already. Sad. 
So young people love to be right. So can I show you here the word, <laughs> the word here, ignorant people, because he's saying to keep away from those people who operate in youthful lust. Can I share this with you to actually protect you? So he's saying to keep away from those who um, operate in a youthful lust, and one of them is ignorant people. The strongs is five to one. The word is apahidiotos. Apahidiotos. Yes, that's good enough. Now, look at this. God sees people operating in useful us in this way, without instruction, without discipleship. Uneducated, ignorant, and rude. And I leave this with you. Paul warned Timothy, flee from that and focus on righteous living, faith that changes, love towards God and your brothers and sisters, and peace with everyone, and a pure heart between where everything impure is driven out. So I leave that with you. These are the two scriptures regarding a bond servant. And people want to become bond servants of Christ. This is how that led them to apostleship. It led them to be sent for the gospel. And all I see is the person who operates in youthful us, all he's looking for is a platform from the flesh because he can't get it from the spirit. That's how I see it anyways. So we go to Jude chapter 1, uh, sorry, we go to James chapter 1, and I'm just, if you can get the whole scripture, I'm going to continuously read down. And it's, it's in the Amplified, I'll just, I'll finish off with this, I'm not going to go on to the other ones. I'll probably make his way to next week. There was an amazing mystery here that I was going to share. But I said I'll just focus on a bond servant. I won't give too much. So I don't think anyone's going to take days off tomorrow for their work. Isn't it interesting that whatever you do in the physical, you will do it in the spiritual? It's how God sees it. Right? Whatever you do in the physical, you complain. And this, you do, you'll do it in, you're, you're really doing it spiritually anyways. Okay. So, here, what's the title? He's testing your faith. In that same context of scripture, you are to wait. Now, a lot of people, when they don't get what they want, some people leave the true path of Christ. When you don't get what you want, people stop praying. Uh, when you don't get what you want, people stop preaching and becoming ambassadors of Christ. I'm just sharing with you here how God sees if your faith is genuine. God tests your faith for one particular thing. 
To produce what? To produce endurance. Okay, I'll read the scripture, let it quote itself. It says, James, the bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve Hebrew tribes scattered abroad among the Gentile, in the dispersion, greetings, rejoice. Uh, can we go up, please? Okay, so consider it nothing but joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you fall into various trials. Now that word in the original scripture is temptations. Now that's regarding sin. So he wants you to rejoice when you fall into sin. Why does he want you to rejoice when you fall into sin? Because it's not there to condemn you. It's not there to trap you. It's not there so you can be dictated by it. It's there for you to see it so you can begin to get out of it. You understand? So a lot of things will flare up in your life when you come to Christ. That's a testimony that the Holy Spirit has began to work. Now there's a saying with me, the first voice that you hear is the voice of conviction. When the Holy Spirit comes, He will convict the world of their sin. Now the first voice that you hear people see, um, let me say it like this, whatever the Holy Spirit's doing, the enemy is also trying to ensnare you and trap you. But they're both fighting for your soul. But who we belong to is Christ alone. But you must understand this. So he's saying here to temptations, have joy when they come. Why? Because you have the authority to overcome. You have the authority to disconnect from it. It's not your master anymore. Okay, that's one. So there's here there's a difference between temptations and testing. Now testing is different in God's eyes. But isn't it interesting that while you're getting tested, God is watching the attitude of your heart. He's watching how you're going to try to overcome and to walk in His holiness and righteousness. Or you become a slave to it and the declining begins. Now this is the first test and the most common test to people. And it says, yeah, expect to receive nothing from the Lord, which is sad because many people from their own free will or their rebellious nature will choose to indulge in the flesh. Now, I'm talking about tests here. And look what it says here. Be assured that the testing of your faith through experience produces endurance. Why endurance? Because it leads to spiritual maturity. What follows after spiritual maturity? Inner peace. Then you can taste the Lord and see His good then you walk in his peace. Nothing compares to his peace. There's no scripture in the Bible that you can read when you walk in his spiritual peace. Nothing compares. Because then you're really free. You're not speaking freedom, you're actually free. And what is the door to freedom? Is that you're disconnecting yourself from your flesh and its lust and its temptations. That's the first test God gives. Some people spend all their life in it. Some people say, this is not the will of God for me to have an appetite for sin anymore, have an appetite for those habits anymore, and they disconnect themselves from it. That's the first test God gives. Not a temptation, 
because the temptation is from our own desires, that scripture says. So the test is for one reason, to produce endurance. That leads to spiritual maturity. Are you maturing by disconnecting yourself from your sinful nature, from your rebellious nature, from the love for the world? That's how God sees if your testing is genuine. That's how God sees if your testing is genuine. That you are disconnecting yourself from your sinful nature, from your rebellious nature, and the love for the world. That's how God sees that your test is genuine in His sight. It says, through experiences, it produces endurance, leading to spiritual maturity and inner peace. And let endurance have its perfect result and do a thorough work so that you may be perfect and completely developed in your faith, lacking in nothing. So God tests you why? So you can be completely developed for you to be given an assignment or be given a responsibility from the Lord. Now, I'm sorry to say, if you continue to walk in this way, you will not be given a responsibility or a promise of the will of God in your life. And it will show, you, don't, you can't even hide it, it will show that God is not able to use you. It says, and let endurance have its perfect result and do a thorough work so that you may be perfect and completely developed. The test is to create in you endurance to spiritual maturity so you can be completely developed in your faith, lacking in nothing. So isn't that interesting that the spiritual, that the, 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 the trial that God gives is to create in you for you to be fully developed. Now, the greatest one who can test that is your own conscience with the Word of God. So if any of you lacks wisdom, what's that wisdom for? For you to be spiritually mature. For you to be completely developed. If anyone lacks that wisdom, God loves that prayer because He sees that you are genuine and wanting to know Him. Now you may think every week I'm talking about the same thing. This is where the condition of the body is. The condition of the church, it's here. I can't get out of it. If any of you lacks wisdom to guide him through a decision or circumstance, he is to ask our beloved God, who gives to everyone generously and without rebuke or blame, and it will be given to him. Uh, can we go down, please? But he must ask for wisdom in faith without, without doubting God's willingness to help. For the one who doubts is like a billowing surge of the sea that is blown about and tossed by the wind. For such a person ought not to think or expect that he'll receive anything at all from the Lord. Now what test is that? Your test is you're coming and you're asking for God to bless you or to help you, or to, or to give you, and your focus is not spiritual maturity. God sees that you will receive nothing. The greatest cry or the greatest prayer one can pray 
is to be mature because God sees that you are developing in him that is your true calling can you see this someone it's very simple teaching being a double minded man unstable or restless in all his ways in everything he thinks feels or decides in the new living translation he says his, his loyalty is for the world more than God can we go down please Can we go down a bit more, please? Oh, no, I'll stop there. I'm not going to read the rest. So the first test by God is what? for you to be spiritually mature and isn't it interesting that every place where they became strong and big for the Lord they began as a bond servant it's very important for you to think about I gave those two examples probably the one speak most about your workplace because the majority of your life you had work your attitude can be judged there in, in the way that it's true to God or it's not true it's very true I'll continue next week. If I start this, I'm going to be here for a while. I'll continue next week. <laughs> this is the meat stuff. Unfortunately, I spoke too much today. But I'll start with this next week about the testing with the fire and what God means by that. There's probably five levels of how God tests you by fire pretty good and the Holy Spirit showed me a treasure from the Old Testament that will set your journey in such a course that you'll be able to kickstart it so strong but I'll share it next week I'm not going to go there sorry for that but I feel like it's a, it's, it's a lot regarding a bond servant we'll just think about that for today but the first test that God does give is to birth spiritual maturity in you and that's not an overnight procedure um, what I can share with you from this is what I can share from you from from that is regarding the youthful loss regarding a bond servant um, those people lacked discipleship where they didn't have the right people in their life uh, plucking and helping and navigating them in the direction they should go and it's true it's not about me here at this place discipleship is very important for one reason and I've always said it the greatest meaning of discipleship is to watch over your soul to watch over your soul because in the beginning there's so many things that are surfacing there are so many things that need addressing 
There are so many things that need to be brought to the light. And it's just interesting how Paul was rebuking Timothy not to get entangled with these types of people. So I really wanted to go into the next one, but I'll just stop there. Something you've got to ask yourself today, which will, you'll be able to have so much more clarity, is am I, am I passing the test? Before I do finish, um, I'll just quote that scripture that I gave you, Becky, the one that I showed you, 2 Corinthians 13. I will finish with this scripture. Uh, we can go down. Now, isn't it interesting in what he writes here, in <laughs> the first sentence? Frustration right there. <laughs> I think Paul was frustrated with the people. And I pray by God's grace I never get frustrated. I think Paul had enough. <laughs> he did, he actually had enough. Okay. This is regarding testing. Okay, let's have a look. This is the third time I am visiting you. Every fact shall be sustained and confirmed by the testimony of two or three witnesses. I have already warned those who have sinned in the past and all the rest as well. And I warn them now, even though I am absent from you, as I did when I was with you the second time. <laughs> Thank God he wrote like this too, so we can understand. That if I come back, I will not spare anyone since you seek forensic proof that Christ is speaking in and through me. He is not weak or ineffective in dealing with you, but powerful within you. For even though he was crucified in weakness, yielding himself, yet he lives resurrected by the power of God, his Father. Amen. For we are too weak in him as he was humanly weak. Yet we are alive and well in fellowship with him because of the power of God directed towards you. Now we go up all the way please. To test and yeah, all the way. That's it. Test and evaluate yourself to see whether you are in the faith and living your lives as committed believers. Examine yourselves, not me. <laughs> I'm reading the scripture, I'm not saying do it. <laughs> or do you not recognize this about yourself by an ongoing experience that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you failed the test and are rejected as counterfeit? Now isn't it interesting that Ananias was the one that removed scales from Paul's eyes. But a different Ananias is the one that fell dead in the presence of God. There's always a counterfeit in the Bible. <laughs> uh, unless indeed you fail the test and are rejected as counterfeit. Fake, meaning. 
But I hope you will acknowledge that we do not fail the test, nor are we to be rejected. But I pray to God that you may do nothing wrong, not so that we and our teaching may appear to be approved, but that you may continue doing what is right, even though... even though by comparison may seem to have failed. For we can do nothing against the truth, but only for the truth. And the gospel, the good news of salvation. We are glad when we are weak, since God's power comes freely through us, but you by comparison are strong. We also pray for this, that you be made complete, fully restored, That's how you examine yourself. We also pray for this, that you be made complete, fully restored, growing and maturing in godly character and spirit, pleasing your heavenly Father by the life you live. For this reason I am writing these things while absent from you, so that when I come I will not need to deal severely with you in my use of the authority which the Lord has given me. To be used for building you up and not for tearing you down. Finally, finally, <laughs> believers rejoice be made complete by what you should be. Be comforted, comforted, be like-minded, live in peace, enjoy the spirit well-being experienced by believers who walk closely with God. And the God of love and peace, the source of loving kindness will be with you. But you read the top and it tells you, mature, complete, in godly character and in heart, these benefits will follow you. Live in peace, enjoy the spiritual well-being experienced by believers who walk closely with God and the God of love and peace, the source of loving kindness will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All God's people greet you. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. So you see here the test you see the test? That's the test. The most important thing that God is interested with is that you spiritually mature and that you're continuously growing. Regarding your effort as a bond servant in your workplace, that's something that you need to address and change. But I share with you, for God to do anything with you spiritually, He must test you physically, unfortunately. And that's something for you to think about. Because God sees the little things before great things. So I encourage you today, are you passing the test? And the biggest test is to overcome our fleshly nature. And that's not only our sinful nature, but our emo the emotional realm. And the thought process.
I also share with you to not be afraid of your financial condition. Whether they're raising the interest rates, whether your interest rates are coming to a place where it's going to be lifted again, uh, don't fear. Don't worry. God has you. I shared this with some people here. The Holy Spirit shared this with me now. Don't focus in this area. Uh, focus on walking with Jesus. And he will look after you. He will look after you. Don't let this consume you where you forget about worshipping and glorifying Jesus. Just worship him and he will look after you. Don't beat yourself up how you're going to keep up. Don't beat yourself up how you're going to be able to sustain yourself. Jesus is with you. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above who does not change like shifting shadows. So he will look after you. If you need his help today, you cry to him from your heart because he gave me that thought for you. Don't let it bypass or don't let it get in the way of where you're going for Christ. Okay, we'll pray. And I share something with you. I think nine months ago, the Holy Spirit told me for no one to lock their interest rates in. You remember? Yeah, so don't lock your interest rates in. Something will um, shift. I don't know when. But Holy Spirit spoke it to me. The, the last thing I'll think about is that. To be honest. So I'll share with you. In saying that, that God will look after you, <coughs> be very cautious that you do not inherit a mindset of poverty. We inherit a mindset of poverty. You have a mindset of poverty that you're going to fail or you're going to have a lack mentality that you're going to live insufficient. God is your Father. Amen? Be very careful because this can block the blessing of God. This can block the blessing of God. You having a mindset, a frailty, a frailed mindset of lack or a pro poverty mindset based on your situation, not based on faith. So this is something you'd, for you to address also. But I felt led by the Holy Spirit to say this to some people here that are eating their nails because of the interest rates. Or worrying that much where it's overtaken their journey with Christ. Thank you, Jesus. The one who comes to Christ shall lack no good thing. And this is not financial I'm speaking about. I'm speaking about everything spiritual and physical. God gives you everything for your enjoyment. And that's true. He cares for us. But our focus is what? Spiritual maturity. Growth. 
pure heart. He'll look after the rest. So, we'll thank the Lord what He done. Please, no one ask me anything about home loans or any of these interest rates. <laughs> no, I'm just being honest, Todd. <laughs> God is good. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus, for who you are. We worship you. I thank you for your word that tests us to see if we're genuine or to see if we're authentic. And I pray, Lord, by the grace of our Lord Jesus, that you make us genuine. You make us authentic by the Holy Spirit. I thank you, Lord. And we know it's not by might, it's not by strength, it's by your Spirit. I pray, Holy Spirit, that is in each one of us, that you make us genuine, that you make us authentic, and you allow us to have the fruit of endurance to fight in any battle that we're in so we can spiritually focus on maturity only. I thank you, Lord, that as long as our ear is nailed to the cross, we are a true bondservant of Christ, only hearing what our Master says. Thank you, Lord. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for what you've done in each one of us here today. But I pray a prayer, Father, in Jesus' name, that you help all the people here that are suffering financially or they are fearing about the future. I pray, Lord, that you give them a heart of contentment, but also provide for them greater funds so they can keep up with whatever they're in now. I pray, Lord, this prayer over each one of them. That allow them to only focus on that day and not to worry about tomorrow. But help them understand that they can have peace at this time. But Lord, advance their workplace or advance any place so they can keep up with whatever responsibilities they have now. Thank you, Jesus. We pray this prayer over every person here. And also, Lord, for the people that have abundance or have plenty, that they have a heart to help those who are in need. Thank you, Lord. I pray this prayer that people open their hearts for the sake of you and the gospel so that no one in the body will lack. Amen. Amen. Remember, we have each other. Let's work together. What is mine is yours. What is yours is mine. That's the heart that we have to have between each other. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.